the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. In looks or salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome back to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens, and sitting across from me is not the future first female GM in NHL history, but you know what? It might be. No. Because... <laughs> <laughs> Because it is Haley Salvi to the Athletic. <laughs> Haley, how you doing? I'm doing well. That was my introduction. Just no. <laughs> Just shooting no. you down within the first like <laughs> ten seconds of the podcast. You know, I haven't. We haven't worked together in you know. I would say like two years at this point, but it's hasn't haven't missed a beat at all. <laughs> it's it's exactly it's exactly what it was like back then. It'd be like <laughs> it's <laughs> terrific. Yeah. How yeah. how are, how are things going with you, Haley? It's. You're you're all the way in Western Canada, you know, Cowtown. I think it's it's what they call it. Yeah, you're killing it on the on the Flames beat. It's been a crazy season, both COVID wise and all the all the Flames stuff too. How how are, how are things going? Yeah, I mean, moving across the country, switching NHL mm. beats in a global pandemic is um, a lot harder than I probably expected. <laughs> like, I, really? I knew it was going to be difficult. Um, There's no question about it that it was going to be a difficult transition, but it's definitely been, uh, you know, a, a harder move than I originally anticipated. Just, you know, everything's on Zoom this season. You know, you don't mm. get, you know, the access into the locker room. Um, and, and, you know, I don't mean that in like a, you know, I, I know sometimes when media people talk about access, it comes across as very, um, you know, you can't relate to it. Right. It's yeah. just like, I need access into the locker room so I can write about hockey, blah, blah, blah. Bourgeoisie. Like, yeah. And, and I don't mean it that way. I mean it on like a basic human level because you mm-hmm. know me, Mike, and people who've read my stuff in Ottawa and the Marlies, like I prefer to just talk to people and, you know, write about their life and their stories and, and write features. And, and that's all kind of lost on Zoom because you don't get to just on a very basic human level, go and introduce yourself to somebody. Like this year, yeah. I've just been like this voice on a Zoom call. I don't even know if they can see me. I keep my camera off most of the time because I'm sitting at home looking like a bum. <laughs> um, and so it's been, it's been difficult, um, honestly, to be able to do the job the way that I, I like to do it. And, and I think the way that that has made me successful, um, mm-hmm. at least somewhat successful in, in what I do. But you know, it's kind star. of <laughs> it's kind of forced me to be a bit more versatile. It's forced me to um, take a more analytical look at things and um, you know approach things in a different way. Start being more creative. Okay, I can't get access to Johnny Goudreau. What can I do to write about Johnny Goudreau instead? You know, it's it's making me be more creative and, and think about different ways of doing the job. Which I'm sure will be great in the long run, but yeah, this year's been pretty tough. But Calgary's great city. I'm I'm actually very happy with the with the move. The organization's been really great. You know, the the PR staff, um, the GM, the coach. You know, everyone's been very welcoming here. So you know, both all coaches. Of the, <laughs> you know what? You know, I will say Jeff Ward um, gave me a call before I even got to Calgary to like welcome me and say. You know, really? just let me know if you ever need anything. Welcome to Calgary. 
Um, so, you know, I know that things didn't work out successfully on the ice, but the fact that the head coach of the team called me before I even touched down, you know, it's very meaningful. It's, you know, he, they're good people here in Calgary. So I'm very happy Mm -hmm. with the decision to move. Yeah. It's like you, you were like the new kid in school and like the captain of the football team, like, you know, called you up and was like, Hey, we're looking forward to having you here. Like that, that matters, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of that's a credit to, you know, they, it's just a good organization from that mm-hmm. standpoint. You know, Brad Tree Living's been very kind and um, Peter Hanlon's the head of PR here and he's great. So, you know, with all of the things that have been difficult this year, you know, it's it's still a really great spot to be. And I'm very happy to have the opportunity. Totally. Yeah. All right. You want to hop into some headlines? Let's do it. Let's do it. There aren't a ton. And unfortunately, it seems like all of them are related to COVID, which is a bummer. So we'll just try and make sure they get through. We get through them a little before we can have some fun. But yeah, so, so you know, 31 Thoughts, the, the greatest, you know, content aggregation, you know, I guess sponge on the planet. Everyone steals from it. It's fantastic. But I was reading, I was just perusing it today. And uh, Ellie Freeman brought up again, he's brought this up a couple times this season, um, which I wasn't really expecting to see come up because considering the response of it last summer. But He's mentioning the possibility of a playoff bubble for the Canadian teams, though, not maybe for the American teams. Mm-hmm. At this point, with what happened to the Canucks, we won't you know, get into that, but what's happened with the Canucks, with you know, the variant we were talking before we, we started recording this, the variant kind of cases that are on the rise here, mm-hmm. and just you know, everything around that, with the slow vaccine rollout in Canada, it seems like that might kind of be an inevitable possibility. How likely do you think it is to happen that we get a bubble? And also, I guess to branch off to that, like, do you think the players will stand for it? Well, I think that's a big part of it, too, right, is I think if you go back to the kind of plan for for this season, you know, I think there was a lot of resistance from the players to do the season in a bubble or even to start the season in a bubble. Like that was the one thing that the players kind of said at the beginning of the year was like, we we're not, we don't want to do a bubble. Like that was really hard mm-hmm. on our families on our lives. We don't, we don't want to do that again. Um, so I don't know if their minds are going to be changed here. I, I mean, certainly when you look at the States, a lot of teams are, are getting vaccinated because everyone's getting vaccinated yeah. in the U S so except, except for us. So I yeah. think, and I think it's something that Elliot mentioned in the 31 thoughts as well as I think a lot of it will kind of depend on vaccination. If, players can start getting vaccinated at a better rate. And if Canadians can start getting vaccinated at a, at a better rate, then maybe a bubble's not necessary because players and staff, et cetera, are going to feel, you know, more comfortable, more safe. Um, it's such a tough question though, because I think, and, and Ian Mendez and I, we have um, our show mm-hmm. at the athletic, and this was something we talked about. The one thing that I did question was, you know, the Vancouver Canucks outbreak, you know, was, I think it's safe to say it was pretty scary for a lot of people Um, in the Canucks organization, people watching it, their families were getting sick, you know, pregnant wives, getting sick, kids getting COVID. So I wonder if seeing that experience will maybe make players think separately, like, okay, maybe we should do a bubble if it, you know, I, I'm not going to be with my wife, but at least my wife's going to be safe. Mm -hmm. I really don't know. Um, I think it's going to be one of those ones. I know it's not the, the sexy answer, but I think it's going to be one of those things. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens. Um, Cause I don't even know when the North division playoffs are going to start quite frankly. So that's true. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but I just know that the players seemed really, really against a bubble at the start of the season. So 
I mean, yeah, because so you like you didn't actually cover the bubble because you were with the senator. Uh, you were on the senator's beat at the time. That's not meant to be a dig. No, there at all. was no playoffs. Okay. That was not meant to be a dig. <laughs> I promise. They just, yeah. you know, it's just the way things worked out. And you and you told wonderful stories during that, you know, as always. But have you like ha- have? I know it's <laughs> <laughs> diving catch right there, Kevin Pillar. Um, but like, so you've. You haven't been able to actually have those sort of like, in, in, not intimate, but I guess sort of like casual um, locker room, you know, just interactions that you have with players. Like the yeah. things that I think most beat writers kind of just thrive off of. Like that yeah. was, we didn't really, we didn't get an open room with the Marlies, but like even then just being able to like, you know, casually talk to T. Burns, you know, like, or, or being able yeah. to to chat it up with those people. And, and occasionally you get a player that you chat with. Have you had any conversations with them about like what that bubble was like? Like what, what it was sort, what it was actually like to kind of endure that? Personally, I haven't, um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, none of, again, the sons weren't in the bubble. Um, I did know some people who were in the bubble in terms of like equipment staff. Um, and I, you know what, I know it was like, you're in a bubble. You're not allowed to go anywhere. Your food's getting delivered to your room. You know, it's very regimented, um, but I, I will say I did spend a night at the Royal York the day before the bubble started. What? Really? And yeah, I did a whole story on it. So it was so fun. Myrtle and Myrtle actually kind of came up with the idea and they kind of said, like, I got a call the, like that day. And they're like, do you want to go and spend the night at the Royal York today? Because the bubble starts tomorrow. So you'll be able to go in and you can kind of like look and see if there's been anything that's like starting to get ready for the bubble. And so I was like, heck yeah. So I went and stayed at like the Royal York for work. Um, And, you know, there was already stuff getting like set up. You could see, you know, the player lounges getting put together. There was the patio area that they put up the big wall to kind of separate everything. Like you're in Toronto, you probably saw the fencing. Oh yeah. The things that had NHL playoffs. So that was starting to get set up while I was there. Um, And you could see like everything being delivered. And then my colleague, Josh Cloak, um, he didn't stay at Hotel X, but he did this huge interview with the people who were, you know, in charge of hospitality and et cetera at Hotel Mm -hmm. X who were running the bubble. And he kind of got the rundown on everything that was going to be set up there. And the sense I got was that the setup in Toronto was probably better than the one in Edmonton. Yeah. Like in Edmonton, I think they just had that like one basketball net. (laughs) <laughs> and like a Tim Hortons truck. Oh man. And like yeah. the arena there is really nice. Like that new that new arena is gorgeous. The new hotel is amazing, the JW Marriott, but not everyone got to stay there. Like some of the teams were in a lesser hotel. Can so, you imagine being in the lower tier Edmonton hotel? Like if I was I'd be like, no, <laughs> no bubble. No thank the, you. The new hotel there that's connected to the arena is gorgeous. Like it's I've so really hard to get um, a room there. Like when the Sens were in Edmonton last year, I went on the road, we did Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, the Sens couldn't even get rooms. Like it was com- like the Ottawa senators couldn't even get wow. it at the JW Marriott. Cause it was completely booked. So they were at a different hotel. Um, I did not know about that Royal York, uh, experience. Like that is so- yeah. first of all, credit to Myrtle. I'm gonna, you know, give him a night off from roasting him in the dangle Navy group chat. Like, because that's a fantastic 
fantastic idea for a story. But yeah. I didn't know this. So I'm going to let's probe on this a little bit more because this is a little fun. Like, what was it like in there? Like, what like what did the player lounges look like? What did the patio look like? Because we had no access to that. Like, the public had yeah. no... We just saw the fence and that's it. It was just this magical mystery land. Like, you got to see it, at least in its infancy, like, beforehand. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, and I mean, it was in its infancy. So when I saw the player lounges, like, they were just putting tables and stuff in there. So I didn't get to see really all the stuff. The one thing that I thought was really cool was when I was there... There mm-hmm. was like the regular Royal York Wi-Fi. Then there was NHL Wi-Fi and NHL Ooh. console Wi-Fi. So they had a specific like stream or network for gaming. And then they had a regular. No way. Net- so there was two internet connections for the NHL. One was for regular network and another one was like a gaming network. So that was one that thing that sense. I saw that was like really cool. Cause I know, um, I think it was the NBA bubble. Um, one of the players posted that like the update on their NBA 2k took like 20 hours to load or something. Yeah. Everyone was using the Disney Wi-Fi. So that was one thing that I saw there that was really cool that they had already set up the two different Wi-Fi networks. Um, the patio that they had was still open to the public when I went. Okay. So I, one of my friends went and met me cause I'm like, I'm not going to go sit at the Royal York bar outside by myself. <laughs> um, so one of my friends did come and meet me and we went and sat there. It was, um, the clockwork tower, I think it was called mm-hmm. gorgeous, nice patio, like the menu, et cetera. I don't know what they would have changed the menu to, but the patio was really nice. It was big wraparound on the outside of the Royal York. Um, obviously they ended up putting the barrier there so the players could go to that patio whenever they wanted. Um, and, but you know what, the thing that was the weirdest was just how empty the Royal York was. Like that was the last day for bookings, but I was like basically the only person there. Like I saw who's staying in a hotel at that point. Yeah. The only people that was there, um, I, there was like, sometimes I would just sit like lurk around in the lobby just to see if I could like see stuff and see people coming in. I was like trying to work. Right. (laughs) They sent me to the Royal York. I'm like, I'm not just going to go and order room service and sit by myself. Like I'm going to try to like sleuth around. (laughs) I just picture you like behind one of the columns and like the, (laughs) yeah, just kind of peeking out being like, Oh, there's, I get I'm, there's Gary Bettman like no, yeah, it's, it, no, that's hilarious I didn't see there was no Gary yeah. Bettman spottings um but there were yeah, some NHL people there. coming in and out you know getting plans ready there was a group who was getting a tour of the bubble um I did walk around in the path um the, there was nothing in the path that was set up which confused me and then when the bubble actually opened I saw that they had the gates that they would like hmm. switch on the ground level so the players actually weren't using the path um Wow, you got confused in the path? What a shock. (laughs) When I worked at CBC, I used to get lost all the time in the path. It was really sad. And I worked there for so long. Yeah. I worked downtown for three years, like three straight summers. I worked in like the financial district and I went to get an ultrasound on my knee last week and it was in the path. I gave myself, I live like not very far away from, (laughs) from where the place is. Like I live maybe like a 10 minute walk. And I gave myself a 45 minute cushion to get there on time. And I was late because I got lost. Yeah, the path is treacherous. There it's, is. Yeah, I could I go swear. on for days. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. I was standing like I was standing at a certain point. I had to ask some like a person who worked at a convenience store. I'd be like, hey, do you know where like 11 King is? She's like, well, that's 20 King and that's four King. And I'm like. None of this so makes I'm, any sense. So like, so I'm standing where it should be, but I'm looking at an empty wall. Like what? It's ridiculous. No, it's <laughs> terrible. Right. 
but no, the bubble, like what I saw of them getting like prepared, it was, it was a cool setup. But at the end of the day, like you can put as good Wi-Fi, you can give them whatever food Mm -hmm. you can allow them. Um, and I think there was a bunch of restaurants who were, you know, the set people like delivering them food so you could order from there and they'd bring it to the hotel. But like the, at the end of the day, like these guys are still away from their families. They're still secluded like even the players in Toronto like they had to say goodbye to their families to go and stay in a hotel in Toronto so you know I I can't imagine how difficult that would be for these guys and again you know it seems like that was one of the things where they said you know we want to play but we do not want to bubble yeah so we'll see if the Canuck situation maybe pushes anyone to to change that stance because they're like you know what I won't get to see my wife, but at least I'll get to keep her safe from this. God forbid mm-hmm. there's another outbreak. The the one thing is though, is like the Canucks are the only Canadian team that have had a significant outbreak. Um, but I think people are logical enough to go like, yeah, like yet, you know, they're the only team to have yeah. like, there's, there's, you know, we play in close quarters, no matter what the restrictions are like here. The flames had a morning skate um, in like with the Canucks. Like we all woke yeah. up. After the cup, I think it was just JT Miller on the list at the time. And then everyone, a lot of people here in Calgary woke up being like, they're not going to skate. They're not going to play. And then they had the morning, they had the morning skate. um, And then the game got canceled probably like two hours before puck drop. That would scare the shit out of me if I was one of those players. Like, like, wait, what did like the guys were at the rink, like ready to play too when it came down? Because I think Milan Lucic was like, he was like, yeah, I was in the room and I asked the guys if they wanted to do like a push up contest because I was all (laughs) amped up to play and I had all this energy, so I was just doing push ups in the locker room because our game got canceled. (laughs) Just guys being dudes, you know? Guys being dudes. I don't think anyone took them up on the offer though, because they're scared. Because they're yeah. cowards. That's most, why. Most, uh, I mean, I'd be scared if Milan Lucic. Too. I mean, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> it, speaking of bubbles, or I guess not doing bubbles, like the OHL officially announced they're going to shut down the season. They understood, or I guess they they realized that a bubble wasn't feasible for them. Yeah. Now this is, I mean, this is a big deal. Like, the, like it hasn't. It's weird because this hasn't been covered enough. At least I think on Twitter, like yeah. people haven't been reacting to this, and maybe <clears throat> it's just because it's been such a malaise. Like we've. Like they've been delayed for so long, it's not sort of like breaking news. But this is this yeah. has like really long term implications. These are teenagers. Not only does this impact the draft, and I'm gonna ask you how it impacts the draft, but also yeah. like it's just like these are teenagers who have essentially like some of them haven't been playing for over a calendar year at this point and won't yeah. now. What like what's going on here? It's really tough because you know I worked in the OHL for a couple years Mm -hmm. and some of the guys that I actually got to know fairly well in Oshawa like this was their OA year and now they're just done right and that sucks there was a a lot of guys who went and signed in Europe and then they got pulled back from Europe because the OHL was like yeah we've been having good talks we'll probably be able to play at this date so these guys who were playing in Europe came home to play and then sat at home to get the news that it's canceled. So it's honestly just been, I know we're in a pandemic and health and safety is the most important, but I do think mm-hmm. it's been a bit of a big mess because when the Absolutely. news came out that it was finally canceled, like you said, no one's talking about it. Cause we were like, well, of course it is. It's just it's inevitable. April. Like mm-hmm. it's like you're not going to start the season now. It's not going to be a no. five game season. And there's no Memorial cup. So what are you going to do? You're going to spend all this money. These places are going to open up their arenas. They're going to bring everyone back to have a couple of games that don't end up meaning anything. So I think mm-hmm. this was something that w- we all kind of expected after a certain point. 
Um, Financially. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's tough. I, I feel for the players and I feel for the people who worked for some of these organizations. There was a lot of people in a lot of these OHL markets that got laid off and were just waiting mm-hmm. and waiting and waiting and waiting to get their jobs back. And now there's just no season. So not only were the players not playing, but there was people who were furloughed and essentially unemployed. Like you're not getting paid, like you were laid off. So these people have been waiting for their job to come back. So it it doesn't just impact the players. I I feel for people who worked for these teams um, as someone who used to work for a team. Yeah. Uh, I was just an in-game host, but like there's a lot of people. You were the in-game host. You rocked it. I've, I'm pretty sure I still have a video on my phone of you of you flossing on Jumbotron cameras. So that <laughs> yeah. that's going the extra mile. Yeah, no, I was very passionate about the Oshawa Generals. <laughs> you know, there is some guy who still who trolls me basically on Twitter on like all of my stories. Of course, and he'll say stuff like, you know, go back to Oshawa. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about or that's my burner account did you not know that no definitely (laughs) because he'll also say if i wanted tips on how to floss i'd ask for your opinion but i don't need you to talk about the calgary flames the ottawa senators like he's followed me from all my beats (laughs) and he writes these on the athletic and i'm like man this guy really hates me (laughs) but like all that subscription money going right into your pocket like yeah. he's like it's like sorry you know for having my first job when I was 20 years old <laughs> as yeah. an in arena host like that's my like bad. that would be like people people commenting under this podcast or under any any piece I write because I worked at an auto shop when I was like you know 15 to 17 yeah. they'd be like yeah if you want to tell me about mufflers that's fine but yeah. hockey no thanks go Ridiculous. back to your auto shop yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> great. Now everyone's going to tweet that at me. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Haley. But no, I feel for the players. Um, yeah. I feel for, for the staff members. I just, I think it's really unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I think it was kind of expected, which is sad. That's, that is the saddest part. I think is that we kind of just saw this coming and that's why not a lot of people are talking about it when it deserves a lot. And these are like, these are not, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, sports franchises. Like these are, you yeah. know, some of these teams are, you know, I wouldn't say mom and pop shops, but like they're single owners. It's there's going to be a financial implication to this. Yeah. We talked a lot about the emotional toll this has taken on people. And I promise we'll get out of COVID talk soon. Um, <laughs> this is the last one. But Robin Leonard, this is important because Robin Leonard essentially just teed off. And this is a pregame press conference. This wasn't postgame. You know, it was like this was before a game. Yeah. Just teed off for 10 straight minutes on the NHL essentially essentially saying and and he's come he's since qualified that some of his comments were a little bit extreme like he for example he said that you know we we are vaccinated we're still trapped in a prison he said that was a little extreme maybe walk that back but his you know what his sentiment remains like this is obviously being extremely difficult on everyone Rachel and I have talked about how we're losing our mind you're losing your mind too like it's like everyone's going crazy here and NHL players like a lot of the sport is camaraderie like you said like a lot of the sport is people getting together and having fun and you know being a team and it's I I keep thinking how tough it must be to foster a team environment there's no you know there's no dinners there's no, you know, just playing like Fortnite together in your in your you know hotel room. There's nothing. Yeah, the, he's kind of right. And so, and the one big thing he said here is that the NHL promised players that there'd be loosened restrictions once they were vaccinated. That hasn't happened. But and the league then said we made no promises. But the rationale behind not loosening these restrictions, even though some teams need vaccinated, some isn't, is to maintain a competitive edge. I th- I think that's fair. Do you think that's fair? 
I mean, I don't really understand what he means by a competitive edge. Like, does he just mean like we get a competitive edge because we're allowed to like by being happy? Like other teams are not like I, I. You know what? So as being someone who's been trapped inside alone for like a calendar year at this point, I would if I was going up against like let's say I was I was gonna go like box someone or like fight them or something. <laughs> you know, I'm Jake Paul in this scenario basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's every day, bro. Um, oh and <laughs> but like, and, and I was fighting and I was fighting someone who like, you know, has been living their life normally being able to go out, you know, on dates and, 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 and you know, like see their parents and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think that guy would kick my ass, not just because, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm a wimp, but because like, it's, it's that like the mental aspect of this plays such a big part. So I can kind yeah. of, as much as I hate to ag- agree with it, like, I kind of see where the NHL is coming from and that like a team, yeah. if you're going to war against some guys and one of them is able to like, and one side is able to like hang out with their families and, you know, relax and, and, and build a team together. And the other side is just like, I just like, it's the John Mulaney thing where it's like, I've just been sitting in this room eating saltines for 26 years. And now I walked yeah. out on stage. Like there's a difference there, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely understand that. Like, especially if you believe what Robin Leonard is saying when he talks about how difficult it is. And, you know, he said Mm -hmm. it was extra, but he's saying you're in a prison. So, okay. So then you get to be out of that, but you get to face other people who are in it still. So I understand what they mean when, when they talk about the competitive advantage, but you know, I can see where Robin Leonard's coming from. Like, I know he makes a lot of money to play a game for a living. Um, but, you know, when you're talking about mental health and you're talking about how difficult this year has been, like this year has been difficult for me. It's been difficult for you. So, you know, it's been mm-hmm. really crappy for everybody. So I can understand yeah. the frustration when you feel that you got the vaccine, like you have what everyone wants to be able to go back to normal life, but you're still not allowed. So I can understand that for sure. But at the end of the day, like if it's not in writing, if the NHL didn't say, Hey, once it's this, like you agreed to this, it's the same thing. Look, like there's some of the rules that they've put in that don't make much sense to me. Like the, uh, the The glass behind the the bench, Ottawa senators weren't allowed to be on the bench for, um, Milan Lucic's 1000th game celebration. Because, cool. but then they, they played against each other like 10 minutes later and they're on the ice with each oh other for God. two hours. So it's little things like that where some of it's just like, wait, what? But at the end of the day, and it's the Alex Ovechkin and, and the Russians in, in Washington, yeah. they, they all had the antibodies, you know, they're on the ice, they're in the room together. Why can't they be in their hotel room together? Well, you guys negotiated the terms of this agreement and you signed mm-hmm. off on it. So at the end of the day, I know it's shitty. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. You absolutely are. <laughs> At the end of the day, I know it sucks, but you have a, a union who does fight for you, like the NHLPA. There was long, 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 long discussions long, long, long. about what this was going to look like. And at the end of the day, you guys all agreed to these terms. So it sucks and you feel like you're in a prison. We all do. Like I think mm-hmm. everyone, and I think that does give us a good picture of what this year's like though. Like I think everyone's kind of just counting the days and weeks and games until this is over, quite frankly. Yeah. And if players are feeling that, imagine if the Vegas Golden Knights who clinched a playoff spot are feeling that, imagine how teams who are out of it are feeling. Imagine what Buffalo feels like. Jesus Christ. That that's You're that's in a rough. pandemic. You're having a horrible year. Like a mm-hmm. bunch of your teammates already got COVID. They were on their ass with COVID. Yeah. I just can't imagine like, that's a, 
and we spoke about this off air before we yeah. logged in. I, I have a very difficult time critiquing players this season. I don't care how terrible you've been because I've been terrible at my job this year <laughs> because I'm oh, yeah. miserable in the pandemic. So you know what? Like there's a, there's a, there's always a human aspect to the game, but I think it's even more so this year because of what we're all living through. It's very well said. All right, let's hop into plot points. What's trending up? What's trending down in the NHL and life, I guess? Trending down is the Montreal Canadiens. The, the juggernaut hath fallen because it's, they've lost seven of the last 10. Carey Price is injured ag- again. Yeah, I feel so bad. I had like CJ was guest hosting with me, I think two weeks ago. And man, he, I, I purposely didn't bring it up. I almost did one time and he was like, cut the shit. And I'm like, okay, cool. I won't. But it was, it was tough. He's, he's taken a lot from that. But I also think he sold that tweet as an NFT. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's making money moves. What, like, what do you make? Cause you've seen them probably too many times. Uh, this is a, this is a Marley's and Laval situation where we just saw them over and over yeah. and over and over again. What what what's your idea of the Montreal Canadiens here? What you what have you seen? Because they've they fluctuated from hey this team could do some stuff you know they're fast and they're and and they're young and all that to oh my mm-hmm. god this it's seven to the last ten they're eleven million dollar goalies injured again what what's what's happening? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that this is a wildly inconsistent hockey team. Um, Like at the beginning of the year, bad takes exposed. Like I definitely was like, man, like I think they're going to be the best team in the North Division. (laughs) That didn't age very well, did it? Um, Age like milk. Yeah. (laughs) Ew. Um, That's disgusting. (laughs) One day. Okay. This might, I go off on tangents, but. Oh my God. God, That's what this podcast is all about. (laughs) I was FaceTiming my dad one day Yeah. in the morning. I was making my coffee and I had this like oat milk creamer <laughs> and I yeah. like took a sip of my coffee and I was just like, oh my God, this coffee tastes like crap. <laughs> and my dad's like, okay, whatever you idiot. And he just keeps talking about whatever he's talking about. And then I take in another sip of my coffee daughter. and there was like a, like a chunk and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I was like, dad, like there's a chunk of cream in my coffee. And he was like, that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> so even oat milk ages poorly. Oh my God. And I was Almond like so upset. Too. And I was like, I will never, ever yeah, drink this it. ever again. Like it was, it would pro- I think it expired that day. And it was just like pff, big chunk. And I'm on FaceTime with my dad. And I'm like, Bleh. Yeah, that'll that'll ruin that that'll ruin so, it forever. No more oat milk creamer for me. And I'm so sorry yeah. to everyone who's listening who just like gagged and because of the too. thought about chewing your coffee. Um, but aging poorly, the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know it, why. It's I all said related. It's all related. It's just stick with me. Stick with me. I'm exactly. Like the, I'm it's gone. Sun, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting back to the point. Um, yeah. Like the, the Habs, I think are just, you know, a, a really inconsistent hockey team. And, and one of the things that they struggle with, um, other than what's happening in net with injuries and, and whatnot, I think losing Brendan Gallagher probably hurts them a lot too, because he's a really important player to that team. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I've noticed with Montreal is that, you know, we've seen them struggle against the Calgary flames. Um, they've only beat the flames twice this season. Um, and they've, they've struggled against the Ottawa senators as well. So one of the things with Montreal is they're, they're a pretty good rush team. Like they're, they're a really strong team off the rush and they like to move up the ice as a five man unit. And, you know, that's a, they like to use that speed and that's how they generate most of their offense. But when Mm -hmm. 
the way to match up against the Canadians, which is what the flames and the Sens do really well. Cause it's their structure. Um, and it sounds so cliche, but you know, the, the Montreal struggles against patient grinded out pucks in deep hockey, because, you know, if you're the flames and you're getting the pucks behind their defense, when you're getting the puck behind Shea Weber or whoever it may be, um, then Montreal is spending most of the time in their own zone, trying to get back possession of the puck. They're what the flames like to do under Sutter is they like to keep the game kind of in the trenches. They, if they don't have like a clear lane to, to join in off the rush, they're, they're going to chip it in. They're going to keep it along the wall. They're going to forecheck and they're going to get the possession back. Um, mm. That's tough for a team like Montreal because they're spending most of their shift in their own zone, trying to get back possession of the puck. By the time yeah. they get possession of the puck, they are tired and then they're going to just dump it down and go for a line change instead of getting the puck moving through the neutral zone and entering the offensive zone as a five-man unit and generating offense the way that they like off the rush. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing I've noticed against Calgary um, because Calgary does play that dump and chase, you know, four check hard, play the right way kind of style. And, and Ottawa kind of does that too. So I haven't, you know, seen them as much against say Toronto or Winnipeg, but I know the Leafs are a team who you know, they're like a good puck. They're, they're more about puck possession, right? So if, if there's no lane to dump the puck in, they're going to just, they're going to curl back. They're going to keep possession. They're going to wait. And then they're going to try to enter the zone. Like that's the Sheldon key yeah. way. He'd rather them just keep possession, wait for your moment, then break into the zone, which again is just keeping the puck away from Montreal. Um, so I think that's, that's what I've noticed against the Canadians. Um, like they really struggle against Calgary and Ottawa. And, yeah. and if you can't, capitalize against you know some of the teams who are in the bottom of the division quite frankly like that's going to be the nail in your coffin and for the flames like they everyone's been thinking like the flames are done flames are done but montreal is fully leaving the door open not just for calgary but for vancouver now too so i don't know what the problem is like you know, I know Arpin Basu, who covers the Canadians here, and Mark Antoine Godin, like they've been writing about it and writing about what's wrong. Because Mark Bergevin has given that team a lot of the tools that they believe that they need to win. Like he hasn't, like it hasn't been for for no effort. Like he's been going out and making moves and and trying to bring in what they need, but still not really working. Man, it's. It's a darn shame. Yeah, Bergevin's being, being hard at work. All right, you know what? The Pittsburgh Penguins almost blew a 6 nothing lead. There's not really much else to say about that. Like, that's that's just absurd. God. Like, can, yeah. you, can you imagine if they did, but they're able to hold on? What I want to talk about, Haley, what else is really trending up, is your love of TikTok. Because we have been sending, obviously, the only, the only method of communication with anyone anymore these days <laughs> is just know. sending TikToks back, to, back and forth to each other, and you either like it or you go, LMAO, and then, like, it's the next one. <laughs> have there been any that have just, you know, struck your fancy lately? Oh, uh, God, like, there's so many. Like, there is days where I'm like, how is this app free? I think I, I sent you this one. Now I have to, like, open up the TikTok. I think, did okay, I send you me, the cinnamon roll one? <laughs> let me let me find it, if you did. Oh, my God. It's basically, <laughs> like, this guy sitting in black and white, and he's, like, having an existential crisis oh, about yeah. the way to eat a cinnamon bun properly. He's like, you know, I love the middle of the cinnamon bun the most. So do I want to typically you eat it at the end because it's the best part and you save the best for last. And then you have the taste of the best part of the cinnamon (laughs) roll for the rest of the day. 
But if you eat it first, then it's going to be warmer. So you'd think that the taste is going to be even better because your cinnamon roll is still warm. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, he's basically just like, at the end of the day, I think the answer is to have two cinnamon rolls and you eat the middle first at one of them and then last in the other one. (laughs) So you can have both ways. And it was the stupidest thing, but he's like sitting on a stool. It's black and white. He sounds very emotional and it's just like him talking about cinnamon buns and yeah that one killed me. Um, there's so many, like I, um, <laughs> I, I texted you about it. I tried that shape shifting one yeah. and I don't really post on TikTok. Um, but like I made this one and it wasn't the Marvel one because I just kept on getting black um, Panther, right? <laughs> I kept on getting black Panther. I was like, what the heck? I would like change my face and I would like I, do oh. things to try to look like the other people. Like that movie was awesome and Chadwick Boseman oh, like, yeah. was incredible. Love him. But I was like, why do I keep getting the black freaking <laughs> Panther? Like I just want Wanda. <laughs> and so yeah. I'm like trying to like look like her and it wasn't working, but I, I did it with the office. Yeah. What'd you get? Creed. Oh my God. <laughs> you have to, do you have to just delete the app after that point? Like that's, Oh my I God. I made a TikTok on it and I kept on trying and I kept getting Creed and I was like, okay, I guess we're kind of similar. <laughs> just got resigned to the fact that I'm like, whatever, I guess we can vibe. (laughs) That's true. I did. I did two of those. I did one as like the Avengers one, where it was like all the Marvel characters and I kept getting Hawkeye, which really bummed me out. I like Hawkeye. I don't understand why everyone hates him. I do too. He's just the most boring guy. Like I was hoping like if I got Captain America, that wouldn't be my like, you know, my, my uh, confidence boost ever. The, The one that really hurt me, the one that really got me down bad was I did the Jersey Shore. I did Jersey Shore. And I kept getting Dina every single time. That At least really... you weren't getting Angelina or Angelina. Dina's Angelina? the worst one. No, Angelina, the girl from season one that got kicked out is the worst. Oh, that's true. But like Dina's just like, I don't know. It you could have got like Sam or Ron. You mean Ran? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, be- <laughs> now, before we get into our deep dive, <laughs> quick word from our sponsor. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business. And it's customized to your needs. You get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. 
Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Woo Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. All right, Haley, you do cover the Calgary Flames, so why don't we talk a little bit about them, shall we? We'll get, I, I can already see you got your reporter face going, so yeah. it's, uh, we're good to go. I guess the first topic we'll talk about here is, I guess, the new, the new, uh, the new sheriff in town. It's Daryl Sutter, because yeah. this is a guy, I, at least from my outside perspective, correct me if I'm wrong, these two coaching styles couldn't be more different. From like yeah. a personality, I guess from a personality standpoint, like Jeff Ward seemed really welcoming and warm. Maybe more, he he was a younger guy, and then Daryl Sutter is like, "You're all my cattle, and this is my ranch. And <laughs> if you step out of line, no, like stop. I'm so over the Jolly Rancher jokes about Sutter. It's the oh, <laughs> it's the most overused thing in Calgary. Like, and I don't mean. Wait, to explain the Jolly Rancher jokes. Everyone for calls who him don't jo- the them. Jolly Rancher here. Oh, because he's a ran. Oh, I thought you meant like the candy. Like, it's, no, they call okay. him like the Jolly Rancher. They make people mm-hmm. make puns about farming, and I'm like, oh my god. I don't yeah, know. that's your outside perspective. That's your eastern. Yeah. That's your eastern bias going to the west. I grew well, up you... in a farm town. Okay, people that's drove true. their John Deere tractors to prom. I know about farming. And you lived in uh, Saskatchewan for a yeah. year, right? Like it's like you've you've been there. Didn't yeah. you like work the farm beat in Saskatchewan or something? Like yeah, it's, the agriculture would... community didn't like me. <laughs> oh. You've made a lot of enemies in the agriculture community. That's yeah. you better keep your head on a swivel, man. Um, how would you grade his coaching performance so far? Because it's been, it seems like it's been somewhat up and down. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's been down, to be honest. Like, I think that when you watch the Flames now compared to before, there's, you know, there's some pretty distinct changes. This is a team that is going to be a lot harder working. They're going to be more defensively sound. They give up way fewer opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. They kept the Edmonton Oilers to 17 shots against. Um, just last week, which was a season low. Um, their first game was Sutter against Montreal. Montreal only had like 18 shots against. So they've been keeping everything, you know, pretty, pretty tight defensively, which has been needed because this is a team that, you know, quite frankly, they can't get into track beats with teams like Toronto, like Edmonton, because this is a team that has, when you look at it, they've scored about like what, like, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's, they've scored two point, like eight goals for, and like 2.7 mm. goals against like the margin for what they are able to create and what they allow is, is way too close for them to say like, okay, let's let them run up the score. Cause we're going to score five goals. Anyways, they've done yeah. it here and there. Um, their three game win streak. I think they had like 12 goals in those three games against Edmonton, Toronto and Montreal, but like when you look at the, you know, how even like over the course of the season or over the course of their time with Daryl, you know, this isn't a team that scores a lot of goals. And some of that is because they haven't, you know, taken advantage of the opportunities. Like, you know, we saw Matthew Kachuk. He had a great move against Montreal on Friday um, mm-hmm. to get around the defender. And then he had the whole net open, just completely deked out. Um, I think it was Jake Allen in net and he hit the post. <laughs> 
like backhand, breaks, backhand post. And you're like, this is the kind of year that this team is having. Like they're hitting posts. They're just missing a little bit wide. Um, most players shooting percentages are down. Johnny Goudreau shooting percentages up, but like Sean Monahan was at like seven or 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, so offensively they haven't been able to score. Um, but that's not a Daryl Sutter problem either. I think what Daryl's done is he's come in and he's made them more structured, harder working. Um, they're better defensively, but you know, there's still, you know, an under 500 hockey team, um, which, yeah. which isn't great. I think their underlying numbers are quite good under Daryl. Um, you know, they're just, they weren't getting the goaltending. That's one thing. Jacob Markstrom came back from his injury um, and he was not good for about 13 games. Like he had a sub, ooh, I think he had, he had a sub 900 save percentage. He was yeah. real bad. He got pulled a couple times and he he's turned it around. He's playing a lot better now, but you know, it's just been a weird time. It's just been a really weird year for the Calgary Flames, yeah. honestly. Like it's been one of those years where it just feels like, there's no puck luck. You're not getting, you know, you're getting the saves, but you're not scoring. You're scoring, but you're not getting the saves. And it's just been one of those seasons. But I think with Daryl, like I said, he's giving them a structure. And one Mm -hmm. of the things I think with Daryl is you bring Daryl Sutter in, not just because you think coaching's the problem, because I think what this year has shown is that coaching wasn't the key issue with this hockey team. Um, you know, the problems with the Calgary Flames run a little bit deeper than just a coaching change. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what you do is, you know, Daryl is very, very sharp. I know, again, people like to make the jokes that he's the Jolly Rancher and he's got all of his cows, but he's a very, very sharp hockey mind. He's he, he knows the game. He's won Stanley Cups. Like, you don't do that because you're just some, like, grumpy little farm man. <laughs> like, and I think with Daryl... Um, you know, you bring him in and he's going to observe, he's going to watch everything's black and white with Daryl Sutter. So the players are going to know where they stand. They're going to know what they need to do. And that's all going to be brought up the ladder at the end of the day in the off season to say, this is who we can win with. And this is who we probably need to move on from. Cause you don't bring yeah. Daryl Sutter in to rebuild. You don't bring Daryl Sutter in to be mediocre. They're trying to win. This is their window to win. And he's going to help them figure out once and for all, like who on this core can you actually win a Stanley cup with? because it's been a long time since they've made it out of the first round. So, well, speaking of that, yeah. I mean, it seems like there's seem seems like there's going to be some changes. Like this this seems like to this seems like a team that is in transition. Like it's not a re, as you said, you're not bringing Daryl Sutter into rebuild. But they're like from my perspective, we've seen this team with this same core again and again. And it's almost like you're bashing your head against the wall and you're expecting different results. And it's just not yeah. happening. Like I just from this point, I think we, you can kind of just sort of realize that or I come to the conclusion that Johnny, a, a core centered around Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan, like I don't think it's going to get you there. And so it seems like there are going to be some huge moves, not like some some relatively seismic moves, I guess, for the organization in the offseason. What yeah. do you see that being like? Honestly, I don't know who it's going to be. I think when you, and you know what, I'm not even prepared to like pin that all on Johnny. I'm not prepared to pin it at all on Sean Monaghan. Cause I, I think the core, you know, here has kind of been, you know, Gio, Michael Backlund, Johnny, Monty. Those have been the kind of guys who have been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. You add Matthew Kachuk into it. You've got guys now in Rasmus Anderson, Noah Hannafin. Um, it's tough because I think kind of like you said, it's, 
the, the old definition of insanity. Like you're going to yeah. keep trying the same thing that doesn't work. Um, you know, so I, I think this team hasn't won a playoff round since 2014, 15, I believe it's been almost six years since they won a playoff round. How different was your life in 2014? I don't even 15. remember. Exactly. Was I in high school. That's a long. No, no, no. I, that's when I graduated high school. I was in university. I was like second year university at Ryerson. So yeah, that's, it's that's nuts. been a long time since they've won a playoff round. You know, they won the play in series against Winnipeg last year, but they ended up losing to the Dallas stars in the first round. So it's been a long time since they've made it to the second round of the NHL playoffs with, you know, the nucleus of the team staying relatively the same. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know whose fault it is at the end of the day. Um, but I do know that everyone has an expiration date. And at some point, this is probably a team that needs to make some changes, not because Johnny Goudreau is terrible or not because Sean Monahan yeah. is terrible. Cause I think Johnny Goudreau is a very good hockey player. I did like a 3000 word story about why last year wasn't actually that bad. It was his worst statistical season in the NHL, but he was still a very, very good player. And when he's on his game, he's one of the best, you know, playmakers. He has the best vision. He's an amazing, amazing player off the rush. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of what Johnny Goudreau brings to the table, but can you win with Johnny Goudreau? Can you win with Sean Monahan, Matthew Kachuk, whoever it may be? I just think at the end of the day, you probably need to make a shakeup. Um, yeah. but what gets difficult is what is the value of players like Johnny and Monty who have had difficult seasons two years in a row? What versus the value of an Elias Lindholm or a Matthew Kachuk? Like, are you mm-hmm. doing a shakeup to get the most value? out of these guys or are you doing the shake up to just move out a body and bring in someone new because you just feel like you need to do something. Um, that's something that, you know, it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be an interesting off season here in Calgary. Um, I've said a few times now, if you know, this season ends in disappointment, it's going to be time to take a good hard look at the core and a legitimate one and actually make a change. Um, because again, it just hasn't worked to the way that they want. You know, you, you don't play, you don't build a team or whatever to like be in the middle, like the middle is death. And they've been in that middle of the NHL for a long time now. So I think it's probably time for them to try to get out of it. So you're let, let's say, you know, uh, let's say I wasn't wrong in the opening of this podcast and that you are the first female GM in NHL history. You're, you're the GM of the, of the Calgary flames. What would you do? Oh gosh. Put your GM hat on. How, how would you navigate this off season? And this is not like any move you make. We're not saying you're doing this because you don't like the player or it's no. in person, whatever. This is just pure fantasy. What would you do? So I had a great chat with um, my colleague, Eric Dehatchik one day, and we actually wrote this in a story and he kind of sold me mm. on it. I really liked the idea. And what he said was, you know, this is my pie in the sky. He's like, I would move Goudreau for Travis Konechny. Okay. And I would move Monahan for like a Christian Dvorak. And then you would also do something else to get Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. He's like, those would be my oh, three man. moves that would fix the Calgary Flames. Konechny, Dvorak, and um, Jake DeBrusque. 
And for me, the Dvorak one was really interesting. And this was yeah. to me because Dvorak, Marner and Kachuk is in my opinion, the best line that the OHL junior hockey has had in a long, long, long time. Like mm-hmm. th- those three together, they went one, two, three in Memorial Cup scoring <laughs> and they won Memorial Cup. They won an OHL championship. So I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. Dvorak's a guy who probably needs a change of scenery. Same with Jake DeBrus. Like he was healthy, scratched a bit. Jake DeBrusque might be a guy who gets moved out of Boston. Um, and when you look at what happened with the Flyers this year, it's been a difficult year in Philly. Um, so that the Flyers might be in a situation where they want to make a shakeup deal. So those three to me that Eric brought up, I was like, Ooh, those, those are, are interesting. Ooh. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I don't, and honestly, I don't know. I think that personally I would say like keeping Johnny Goudreau in the mix, as long as you have him with, with a center who can drive play. Um, I think Johnny ends up elevating like, cause be, Monaghan's a good player, but he hasn't been the guy that he used to be for the last two years, um, either Mm -hmm. due to injury or whatever it may be. Um, Nothing is official. No one said he's injured, but he just hasn't looked himself. Um, And I think that Johnny's just never really had that like elite, elite play driving center. When you look at, you know, who's driving play, it's usually Johnny. So to me, like part of me wants to see like what the flames could look like if you had like a true number one center to play with Goudreau. Um, but those three trades that Tehachik brought up one day, like I might just steal those because I think those are actually pretty good. Those are those are really interesting. Like yeah. it's it's also like it's not like Goudreau's contract's bad. Like he's it's actually one of the more team friendly deals in the league. And so you'd yeah. think, you know, if you can just get him up, like you said, a play driving center, someone who can kind of give him the ability to just work his yeah. you know, Johnny hockey magic. That sounds yeah. pretty good. Monaghan's deal is not terrible either. I think um, I think it was Frank Saravalli who said that Monaghan probably has pretty good trade value because he has two more years left on his deal. He's yeah. making under seven million. It's like six point six point three seven five six point three seven five. Yeah. Um, sure. That seems like a lot maybe when he's only scored uh, like eight or nine goals this season. But when he's a 20 to 30 goal scorer, which he's been like five to six years previous. Mm-hmm getting a guy who can score 20 to 30 goals for under $7 million is, is not a bad contract at all. The one thing I'll say about Johnny is this is the year that if the flames are going to move on from Johnny Goudreau, it probably needs to be done before July 28th, which is free agency because on July 28th, he has a modified no trade clause that kicks into his final year of his contract, which Mm. provides a five team trade list. It's very, very restrictive. So the five, flames, eh? five team trade list, like not a no trade list. There's so only like five, five teams, teams that he can go to that he would like yeah. approve a deal to. So it's Yikes. not a full no move, but it's a pretty restrictive clause. So if this is the year that the flames are going to, if the flames are going to move on from Johnny Goudreau, this probably has to be the year where you can have 31. I mean, I guess 30, unless you're talking to Seattle, but whatever you have the whole slate to speak to instead yes. of just five. That's yeah. And we saw how that really hamstrung the Sabres with Hall. Like we saw that essentially like cut their legs out from underneath them when it came to trading him. That's yeah. really, really interesting. Now, the big hullabaloo in, in the city of Toronto has been big save Dave, not giving these big saves lately. Oh, you know, they least, were so mean the other day. I know. I know. It was. So cool. I think. Uh, people are being people are overreacting like they're just going crazy people it, this is clearly people like, are losing he, their minds he this is the last game that he should ever play in toronto i saw that and i was like damn 
And people were like, like, even it's funny, like I was even listening to Leaf Report with Myrtle and we were even talking about this the other day and he was like, I don't know, like, I don't know how much of an upgrade he is over Hutchinson. I'm like, all right, like, let's, let's relax on this. Like he's like, is, has Hutchinson, does he have big save in his, in his nickname? I don't think so. There's a reason for that. Like it's, (laughs) you know, but it's, so you were able, you know, for about half a season, I guess Mm -hmm. still like be able to see him. What's your what's your kind of take on Big Save Day? What can Leafs fans kind of expect? Because there's no this is not Hutchinson 2.0. This guy he's he's pretty good. He's might not be a, a you know a starter, but he's pretty good, right? Well, I think Dave Riddick has shown in his career that he can be a reliable starter. He can be a reliable backup. You know, one A, one B guy, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I just think maybe it's a situation where he's he's going to take some time. Like he did just get yeah. traded. Um, and you know what, that, that goal, the goals in Vancouver were bad. Like there's no getting around it, especially the one that looked like it was going wide, but then it hit his pad and went in. Sometimes you're sometimes, I don't know, like sometimes you just have a really bad game where, you know, you couldn't stop a, like a freaking balloon ball. What is the beach ball? Beach ball. (laughs) Balloon ball. (laughs) I almost said bowling ball. Like no one would stop a bowling ball. That's Um, the name of the podcast, by the way. It's balloon ball with Haley Salvian. So congratulations. Um, Yeah. But no, I think Dave has shown like he has a track record that shows that he can be a reliable Mm -hmm. goaltender. That is why the Toronto Maple Leafs went out and signed, uh, traded for him to add some insurance and goal. And um, he was, I mean, one thing we talked about a lot here in Calgary was last year at the all-star game, the Pacific division goalies were Jacob Markstrom and David Riddick. And you can say what you want about the all-star game plus minus whatever. Like he, he was an all-star was last there? year. He's a good player. People are f- completely it's, forgetting that here. Yeah. Pe- no people, one has mentioned that uh, he's NHL all-star David Riddick. Like it's a Riddick, I guess. Is it Riddick or Riddick? I've always said David Riddick. Yeah, I think I think I saw somewhere where it's like from a Swiss guy doing a pronunciation. He's like, you can call him Riddick if you want. Just don't call him Riddick because that's like the worst pronunciation yeah. that's like botching it. Yeah. So I get it. But. And I think Davis had, you know, a really interesting journey and path to the NHL. You know, he was mm-hmm. undrafted. He was relatively unknown playing in the Czech Republic, playing in the Czech League. And the Flames um, pro scout, Derek McKinnon, he was he saw Dave play and like the Flames were very, very active in pursuing him. They brought him over from Czech. They signed him to a contract to be like an insurance guy in the American League. Like he was the backup yeah. in the AHL in Stockton. He ended up passing one of their um you know, shiny toys that they had drafted. He ended up passing one of the home, like not homegrown, but he ended up passing one of the flames drafted prospects in Stockton, ended up being the starter in Stockton and then ended up being the backup in the NHL and the starter in the NHL. Like this is a guy who is constantly working to prove himself, to prove that he belongs and to prove that he can, you know, be a difference maker to help his team win. So, you know, he's had a couple of bad games, but I, I just think that, you know, Dave is somebody who's going to rally from that. Um, and he's a really confident, like he's a guy who, when he's rolling and he's confident, he's very confident. Like he had the shutout against the Leafs and, um, mm-hmm. he, he's a good goalie. I think he just needs to get his confidence up and he'll be rolling. We saw it here in Calgary. His first couple starts were quite bad here in Calgary this year, backing up Jacob Markstrom. 
And then he went on a great run and, you know, Markstrom got hurt and Dave was able to kind of come in and play really well. So, you know, I think it's coming. And if not, like, you don't have to be mean. He's just a person. (laughs) 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 Like, I don't know. I feel bad. I always feel bad when I see people get roasted. Like, I get it. You want the saves, but I just always feel bad. Yeah. It's also like the Leafs fans right now are so burned by goaltending. Like this is yeah, a incredible hockey team that's being put together and it's and there is a, a palpable anxiety. It seems going through the fan yeah. base that it will be goaltending that is the Achilles heel. It will be that will hold them back. Yeah. And it's interesting with goaltending. Like you don't really notice it until it's not there. Right. Oh, yeah. And it feels like goaltending has been a constant kind of discussion in Toronto because, you know, the saves haven't been there. Freddie was really struggling and now he's on LTIR and now there's this discussion of, okay, even when he's healthy, can they even fit his cap hit? Like what, what do you, ha- what are you going to do to be they able can't. to fit him back on the roster? Because Dave Riddick and like Hutton, the guys that they brought in at the deadline, they can't be sent down. Like they're on the roster. So mm-hmm. the Leafs are in a bit of a tricky situation when it comes to their cap and LTIR and, you know, are you pickle. just going to put Freddie and cold in the playoffs? But if you want to put him in the regular season, what are you going to do to, to fit him in under the cap? And, you know, people turned on Campbell so fast. He won like 11 or 12 straight and now he's terrible career backup for a reason. You bum. <laughs> like, he said an NHL record. He's yeah. the nicest guy on the planet. And like, literally he, he had like three bad games in a row. And people were like, burn this man at the stake. Yeah. Get him out of here. It's absurd. So I don't know. Speaking of, of getting running people out of town, I'm not going to say running people. That's so mean. That's not a good segue at all. I was going to transition to Sam Bennett because it <laughs> seemed like he was, it seemed like he was, he was going like one foot out of town for so long. Like this seemed like a marriage again, from my, you know, Eastern bias, you yeah. know, terrible perspective. It seemed like this, this was a, a relationship that was failing for a while. Like it's, you know, that couple that like, you just know, all right, these guys, they're not going to be together forever, but they're hanging on like mid, the midsummer couple. It was the mids. They were essentially the midsummer couple where it's, I've you been know? wanting to watch that again, but I live alone in Calgary mm-hmm. and I'm like afraid. I know. I but remember I love Florence Pugh. I love Florence Pugh. Oh, so I just watch little woman all the time. Yeah. You mean my wife? Like, yeah, I love Florence Pugh too. Like she's incredible. Yeah. And I remember at the start of the, <laughs> I remember the start of the pandemic being like, all right, I'm going to watch Midsummer," And then I'm like, all right, have fun. And then you text me being like, what the, f- what the fuck was that or something? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, did you, did you just see the cliff scene? Like, is that, the, and you're like, yes, it's scary. Yeah. Um, but it seems like they, the, this was a, a marriage that was, you know, just bound, bound to kind of break up for a while. He was getting scratched. Mm-hmm. Can you give me a sense a, before you, you, you actually break down the trade, give me a sense of what was going on with Sam Bennett and the flames this season. Cause it just seemed like he'd get scratched he'd come back he'd score, but it never seemed to be on an equal footing. Yeah. I think one of the ways to kind of like describe what happened with Sam Bennett and like a really, uh, try to like a succinct way is there was this one stretch of like five days where he, <laughs> I think he was scratched and then he got put in he was on the, he was like fourth line center mm-hmm. then he was third line left wing. <laughs> then he was on the right wing with Johnny and Monty scored a goal, top line, <laughs> right wing scored a goal. Then he's back to the fourth line. And you're yeah. like, what the shit? What like, are you just, doing with this guy? I think, well, cause I think with Sam Bennett, like he's so versatile that he can play up and down the lineup. He can play wing. He can play center. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in knowing that's a guy who has the versatility, like he, 
for Sam Bennett, I think there was a very stark difference in how the organization viewed him and how he viewed himself. And I think Sam Bennett believes that he can be somebody who can contribute in a top six role in the National Hockey League. I think his preferred position is center. Um, Jeff Ward had the conversation with him um, at the beginning of the season where he said, where do you want to play? Like straight up, where do you want to play? We'll just put you there. He's like, I want to play center. So, but when you look down the lineup, he's not better. I mean, Mm -hmm. you could make the argument, but in terms of the way that the Flames lineup goes, you're not playing before Monaghan, you're not playing before Lindholm, and you're not playing before Michael Backlund. So if you want to play center, it's fourth line center. Damn. But like, is Sam Bennett a guy who who can play with Brett Ritchie? And uh, I mean, Lucic has mostly played third line, but, you know, he'd be on that fourth line center with, you know, fourth line players. Yeah. Um, and Can you make them so better? So then he kind of went, and then he went back to Ward and was like, okay, I'll play on the wing. So then he's third line wing. So he was very much in that bottom six role. He got a little bit of an opportunity with Johnny and Monty and he scored a goal, but then he got put back down and he got put back up. And so I think there was just, there was so much movement with Sam Bennett on this team. And I think that was frustrating for Bennett and his camp, especially when you consider how he viewed himself and how he Mm -hmm. believed that he could be. Um, So there was that, um, there was that trade request that went public first on with Elliot Friedman and yep. um, which I think, you know, the flames said that they were blindsided by it being public. Um, so I think that probably, you know, wasn't great uh, for a little bit for the relationship there, having that go public instead of, you know, discussing it in house. Um, the flames are one of those teams that keep a lot of things kind of locked down. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of leaks that come out of Calgary. So I think that was one that probably wasn't great. Um but then when Daryl Sutter came in, I think there was a real shift in the mindset and the attitude from Sam Bennett. You know, we asked him about that trade request and he was like, I feel valued by Daryl Sutter. Um, I feel like I've been given more opportunity by Daryl and Daryl was very complimentary of Sam. He's like, Sam's a versatile player. It's great. You know, we can rely on him to do, you know, whatever we need. And, you know, he does everything I ask, you know, he plays straight line hockey. He's physical. He gives it his all every night. Love that. So Daryl was a big fan of Sam Bennett. Um, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, this is a player who they were probably going to lose to Seattle or have a chance at losing to Seattle. And then on the off chance you don't lose him, then you end up having to give him a qualifying offer at more than his current cap hit, which probably would have ended up being more than $3 million. So That's then you're, yeah. you have that on, on your book when you're probably trying to, to restructure and, and retool a little bit. So I think it was a situation at the end of the day where, you know, this was a player who they were probably going to walk away from for, for many reasons. And they ended up getting a really good return for a guy who never quite matched the pedigree of being a fourth overall pick. Well, yeah. So I guess you mentioned it. What, like you say, it's a great return and looking at it from the production of what the guy was doing and just like it's from where his, I guess maybe his stock was, Seems like a pretty mm-hmm. good trade. Like it's it's Sam Bennett in the sixth for Emil Heineman, who was a second round pick, I believe, in twenty nineteen or eighteen, and a second round and another second round pick. That seems that's pretty good. Yeah, you basically get two second. You're essentially getting two second round picks, and I mm-hmm. think Scott Whaler and I just did a piece looking at um, Emil Heineman and what he brings to the table, and we kind of said like, you know, he's not a lock. But I think Heineman has the potential to be a really good return. You know, if he can be like a middle six uh, player on the high end, he projects yeah. to be like a Zach Hyman 
Connor Brown type player. Those are really good hands, good around the net. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, if he works out on that higher end for the Calgary flames and, you know, then you get another second round pick as well. And the flames typically do a pretty good job drafting, you know, Johnny Goudreau was in the sixth round. Um, yeah. You know, the flames, that's insane. The flames, the flames have been fine at the draft table. So I think, you know, they're just adding two things to, you know, to their farm system, to their, um, to their depth charts that could end up being, you know, what Sam Bennett was here, which was a middle six, bottom six player who turned it on in the playoffs. Like, Sam Bennett isn't a guy that gets you to the playoffs, but he's a guy that mm-hmm. helps you win in the playoffs. Um, obviously, he's playing really well in Florida right now. He's been given that top six opportunity he's been wanting with Huberto and Duclair. Uh, he scored two goals the other night, scored a goal before that. Yeah. He had a fight, and he had a, two assists in his debut. So he looks good in Florida, and I think at, like you know, this is a guy who – that's exactly why you trade for a guy like Sam Bennett, because you hope that giving him the fresh start that he's been wanting and giving him the opportunity he's been wanting that he turns into playoff Sam Bennett in the regular season for your team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think it's something that is probably going to work out just fine for both sides. I know it's so funny how quickly the things change though. Like when Sam Bennett, when the trade got announced, people were like, Oh, the Panthers got fleeced, like treated such a good job. What an amazing <laughs> trade. And then fans are seeing Bennett score and they're like, God damn it. What a horrible trade. <laughs> That's how it's just the duality of hockey. You know, at one yeah. day, one day you're on top of the world. The next day you're, you know, at the bottom. It's, it's just yeah. the way it works. All right. Last, last topic before, before I let you live your life and stop talking to my dumbass is Matthew to Chuck. <laughs> Okay. Because he's he he's an enigma this season, and Kent Kent Wilson brought this up on on Twitter. I saw this, and and it's interesting is that he he seems again. You know, you make a great point about it's tough to really judge any players this season because things are just so ridiculous, and the actual human aspect plays a big factor. But he has yeah. seems like to have taken a big step back this season. He's got a nine million dollar qualifying offer, and he'll be a UFA at the end of his contract in twenty twenty two. What yeah. what do the Flames do here? Because yeah, he's. This seems to be an outlying season, but then you also have the risk of, all right, locking him up to a really like isn't qualifying offers nine million, which is a lot. So you have the you know, you have the the sort of risk of locking this guy up to a big deal, like even after a down season and, you know, going, oh, no, that's actually, you know, the the I would say the, like the common denominator and not the not the variant here. What's what's your take on Matthew, Matthew to Chuck this season? Because he seems to be, you know, up and down and kind of an enigma. So my take on Matthew Kachuk is he has 10 goals and 30 points this season. It's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So we're talking about a guy like he's absolute crap. (laughs) That's what I said, right? Matthew Kachuk sucks. This is my issue with the discourse about Matthew is compared to what he's been in the past. It is not good. Mm -hmm. When you're comparing Matthew Kachuk to Matthew Kachuk, you know, it's not great. It's not a great season. I think there's maybe a bit of a lack of confidence there. We saw the other day he went to break the puck out and then he fell and <laughs> Ottawa scored the empty net goal. Like that, that to me, I was just like, oh. Yeah. It's uh, just, we both sighed at the same just, time there. It's, it's, it's just that's like one of the those. perfect like image or like little video clip to be like, that's his season right now. Yeah. Like, cause last year he would have entered the zone cleanly, would have made a good play, would have done whatever this year. Like he loses the puck, he slips, he falls and then they score. And you're just like, shit like that's <sighs> And, but you know what? Like this is a guy who scored 
34 goals in 2018, 19, Mm -hmm. 30, 34, 35 goals, like almost 80 points last year in a shortened season, 69 games. Let me pull it up. He had 23, 23 goals, 61 points in 69 games. That's really good. And then in his, That's pretty and then nice. his first two seasons, he was just under 50 points. Like this is a guy who has consistently been in and around, you know, 49, 50 points to almost 80 mm-hmm. in his previous four seasons in the National Hockey League. And he has one bad year. And we're honestly talking about trading Matthew Kachuk. Go off. Go <laughs> off. This is it's just... <laughs> I, it's one bad season in a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with that. It's like, I, like, I get it. The QO is going to be high mm-hmm. for sure. But like, this is a guy who just last year, everyone was like, give him the C. This is our captain. And just last year when he got that concussion in the playoffs against Dallas, we saw what happened to the Calgary flames without Matthew Kachuk. And yep. the whole conversation was no question about it. This is Matthew Kachuk's team. That was the that was the discourse because look what happened when Matthew was out. They lost. <laughs> and now we're like, well, get rid of him. It's gonna cost too much and he's terrible. He's garbage. So what's the, what's the thing about though? Because yeah, it's definitely I I'm a I love Matthew DeChuck. Like I, I hate, you know, when my team's playing him, but I I love shitheads, man. Like they're they're awesome. Me too. Just exactly. And at the same time though, like we saw it and I'm sure you have, I'm sure you're so sick of getting, of this getting brought up just because it's from Matthew Toronto. and Brady. Well, no, no, no. Okay. No, oh. that's, that is like the ultimate, like shut, shut the fuck up with that. Like, Do you know on. how many times I've been asked that question this how year? Many? How many? Like Can I would be count? rich if I got like, no, every, and it doesn't even matter how many times I've been on like a certain station. I still get asked. And it's like, you asked me this already. Did you know that they're brothers? Did you know that they grew up together? I honestly, like, I want to, I would personally apologize because I asked Brady about playing against his brother last year. And now I'm like, I hate myself because <laughs> I'm asked this all the time. Like, what's it like covering Matthew and Brady Kachuk? I'm like, they look kind of alike, I guess. Like, it's, it's like, what, it's I like, get it. Like, I get it. It's like a fun question. It's the same yeah. as us asking, what's it like to play against your brother? Like, I, have kind of turned my life into like, I only cover the Kachucks like Sean McIndoo. When I moved to Calgary, he was like, Haley's one. I think he was like, Haley's one of the best in the biz. And if you want her to cover your team, you're just going to have to draft a Kachuk. (laughs) And people were like, does Arizona and Winnipeg count because of Keith? (laughs) I mean, like where's Taryn going to go? Can she go where Taryn goes? Where does this work? So I get it. It's funny, but yeah, that's, I get asked that all the time about, I feel Who's like your favorite. I feel like when you asked him that question, it was like that meme where the guys in the mirror is like, "Why are you like this?" You know, like. Yeah. <laughs> but it, some of those things I asked Brady, like I have so much respect for Brady Kachuk for not looking at me like I'm a dipshit for some of the things I asked him. <laughs> like last year, I was doing something on the on the dad's trip, and he he brought his grandpa. Mm-hmm. And the, some of the content they did with his grandpa was really funny. And I shit you not. I was like, what's your grandpa like? Like, is he a fun grandpa? Yeah, my grandpa sucks. Like, what's he supposed like, to is say? He, I like I straight up was like, is he a fun grandpa? And he was like, yeah, he's pretty fun. And like, he answered the question. He's like, yeah, he's super fun. Like, I mean, he'll probably go to bed, but like, he is kind of a fun grandpa. And I was like, hey, yeah. I was like, how did I even ask him that? And literally right when it came out of my mouth, I was like, Oh my God, that was a really stupid question. Brady, like, don't even answer that. And he but was he like, no, he it. is fun. 
You know, <laughs> I, like, oh, I've heard far worse questions than that, Haley. Don't be so hard on yeah. yourself. But where, where I was oh, going God. with this, though, is that like, it's the, it's <laughs> yeah, the, it's, no, 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 it's, <laughs> believe me, I, I, Rachel, like, I'm supposed to be the traffic cop here, but like, I will literally go off on a tangent about like the Snyder cut for like 10 minutes. And Rachel's like, I don't, first of all, I don't know what a word you just said. Second of all, like, what the, what are you doing? But anyway, <laughs> it's the puck flip. It's Muzzin f- flipping the puck at Matthew to Chuck. And I think it wasn't necessarily him losing it because I think at the end of the day, you just lost. It's a little cheeky gesture. You know, most yeah. of us, we got the red mist. We'd lose our minds. It's the team not, it's the team kind of just like letting him sort of flail in the wind there. And so when like yeah. with Matt, with this being Matthew to Chuck's team, like has any, has that changed at all this season? Like, is there somewhat of a, a different sort of, I guess, temperature of his style in the dressing room maybe? I think that's been what's been reported out there. Like this is obviously nothing that I've been able to confirm. Like nobody has said this to me personally, but mm. I think what that puck flip kind of did, you know, we saw a players only meeting very shortly after that um, closed door players only meeting. And, you know, I, it was Elliot Friedman who reported out of that meeting that one of the things that was discussed was to Matthew, like, Hey, it can't be a battle like that every night. Because mm-hmm. I think Matthew, and we could see how visibly upset he was. And again, I, I think that he was probably more angry, not because of Muzzin, but because he was in the thick of it by himself. Yeah, and he lost. Um, and I think I did hear um, Johnny Goudreau. There was a clip of Johnny saying, like, our backs returned. Like, if you go and look at the clip, like, we didn't see what happened. Like, we didn't know that Muzzin, like, flipped the puck at him. Cause we were skating back. We lost the game. We were skating back to the bench to go to the room. We didn't see it. So, but all we saw was like Matthew going into it and we were just like, like, what's he doing now? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't understand that Matthew felt disrespected by what Jake Muzzin did. And then Matthew, obviously, and not obviously, cause I don't have this from Matthew, but yeah. it seems like Matthew was upset that he was the only one in there and no one was having his back. And so what some of the reporting that came out of that players only meeting was Matthew voicing, like, why does no one have my back in these situations? And some people on the team voicing, it can't be like this every night. And that's interesting to me because. Yeah. Where do you stand on this? Coming. Well, coming from Ottawa Mm -hmm. where you have someone in Brady who fights Shea Weber. He fights PK Subban. He fights Blake Wheeler. Like this is a kid who drops the gloves. He mixes it up. Like Carrie Price hates him. Like Brady <laughs> isn't maybe on the same level as Matthew in the being a kind of a shit disturber sense, yeah. but like he still mixes it up. And I think we see that Brady is a guy who can drag his team into the battle and that is celebrated. Mm-hmm. people love it. DJ Smith loves it all the time talking about like Brady's the heartbeat of this team. He drags us into the fight every night. Like there were games where there was one game in New York and I was at the game and I wrote a story about it after because Brady is just such a menace that it brings the whole team with him. Like they were the flame or the flames, the Sens were down like one or two goals to the Rangers at MSG. And then Brady, you know, starts mixing it up, like being like doing whatever with, I think it was Brendan Lemieux and then those two fight and then the Sens score and then they score again and then they win the game. And a lot of it was just because Brady was like, no, (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to mix it up. And he just, he, he was a complete menace. He was all over it and the team kind of followed. And Mm -hmm. so it's interesting coming from a situation where again, that is something that is celebrated in Ottawa 
to Calgary where it's like, now nah, we can't do that every single night. Yeah. Um, it, it's quite, it's very different. And again, I think the way that Brady and Matthew go about it sometimes is a little bit different. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you can, it's fair to say that it, it is, it is different. You know, Brady yes. and Matthew are different players. Um, they're different people too. People forget that different people, they're brothers, but they're, they're their own humans, but they're not the um, same. No. So I don't, I don't know why that is, but that is one of the things that I noticed quite early on was like, you know, Brady is celebrated. And then here, like the reporting out of that meeting was like, we can't, it can't be, it can't be a battle like that every single night. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think some of that compounded with him having a difficult season. I think that there, I mean, I don't think like, I know I see it online. There are people who don't think that he is the next captain of the Calgary flames anymore. Like there are people who think that, you know, just like, no, maybe he's not the leader that some people kind of already said that he was going to be like, maybe it's not a given that he's the next captain. Um, Do you think he is? I don't know. I haven't been here long enough, honestly. Like I think I was definitely, you know, of the thought last year in the playoffs, like this is like, look at what happened to the flames after Mm -hmm. he got, he was out with the concussion. Like they could have won and Matthew probably would have been able to play in the second round and who knows what they would have been able to do in the playoffs last year. Um, And so I was like, you know, I think that kind of shows to a lot of people, like this is Matthew's team. They kind of, you know, the team can live and die based off, you know, Matthew's game. And this year has obviously been a little bit different. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I'm too new. And I obviously, again, like I don't get to go in the room and see this stuff, right? Like I haven't been in that locker room once. I haven't been around these players once. So it's really difficult for me to like truly and definitively say what I think about the the vibe of the room and Matthew's leadership. Cause there's little things that you can pick up on in a locker room. Like in Ottawa last year, Mark Borowiecki wasn't the captain, but he was at the center, his lock, his stall was at the center of the room yep. for a reason. He was at the center of the room because that's where all the media went. Whenever something was difficult, it was always Mark who spoke. Um, it was always us going to Mark for everything. Um, all the guys liked to hang out and chat with him. Um, and Thomas Shabbat sat next to him for a reason. You know, yeah. Brady Kachuk, when there was losses, Brady Kachuk would come out for a reason. Like you can see those things in leaders. The one thing I will say about Matthew is when there's a difficult loss, there was the big blowout against the Edmonton Oilers Mm -hmm. and Matthew and Gio came out and Matthew was answering a lot of the questions. The media was asking Matthew a lot of the questions. Um, And then the practice after that, or the morning skate after that, it was Matthew that came out and put it on himself and was like, I need to be better. I need to do this. I need to do that. And, you know, I think that is a sign of a leader to come out and, you know, kind of take the hit for that kind of stuff and try to explain it and put it on yourself to be a better player. So I don't know if he's going to be the next captain of the Calgary flames, but I think it's going to be an interesting debate for sure. I just think there's a ton of recency bias with this year. Yes. Like I didn't mean to come out with the steam heat being like, now we're angry. Now we hate Matthew, but it's, that's the, it's just such a weird thing about yeah. Discourse sports is fans and hockey. Like, yeah. He was a great player for two years in a row. He was a great rookie. He had a good sophomore year. Now we're talking about getting rid of him. 
I mean, what's what's the deal? Maybe maybe if you're doing maybe if you're talking about doing like a full rebuild or you're retooling and you're saying let's get the most that we can because there is no question in my opinion other than like Jacob Markstrom you can probably get the best return for Matthew Kachuk. But his value is an all time low right now. Like there be no way to trade him now. Mm, I don't think there's going to be that many executives who think Matthew Kachuk is a wash. That's right? true. Yeah. Like maybe if they're trying to like get a discount, they'll play up the bad season, but there's four seasons where he was like an elite winger. He is NHL executive catnip. ESPN did something where it was like the top 10 wingers league wide or left wingers league wide right wing. I don't know what they did. It was some kind of top 10 wing. Yeah. And Matthew Kachuk was like 11th. (laughs) Yeah. Like he's, he's a very good player. He's a hockey man. He's hockey man catnip, man. Like he he is like they they anyone would love him. Like I man, yeah. I, this this I have no absolutely no. Even Austin report. Matthews has talked about it. He oh, was like yeah. hate playing against him, love the love the guy, great player, would love They're to buds. have him on the team, hate playing against him. If if Matthew DeChuck was a leaf, he would be like far and away the most he would like he would dwarf um Darcy Tucker and Ty Domi's popularity in this city. Like he would be he would become like a fan favorite in a heartbeat. It's it's yeah. crazy. I think, man, I think Pittsburgh would go after him hard with Brian Burke there now. Like he seems like a Burke player, like through and through. He seems know. like a Daryl Sutter player too. That's true. Like, and and guess who's coaching the Calgary Flames right now? Daryl Sutter. Sutter. Wow, what a coincidence. Yeah, crazy. Um, so it's interesting. I you know I've said before. I think you know in in a game where we have so many people who are like afraid to show their personality mm-hmm. and we get so many cliches you have two brothers and Matthew and Brady who have personality they're not full of cliches yeah. they're natural leaders they're good players and whether you hate their guts or you adore them you're talking about them and i think that's good for hockey so you know there's other players like that too i've just so happened to cover two teams that have both of them yeah um so like i will never critique a player for having a personality and bringing it to the table and getting people talking in a sport that can be like mind-numbingly boring sometimes like i love hockey but sometimes hockey is boring and hockey players are boring and you have two guys who are not so critiquing them because they're a little bit over the top or why did he even come out with that speech? Like, why did he say that after the Edmonton game? No one asked him for that. So you want him to go back to saying, get pucks in deep. No, let him have a personality. I think it's important. It is important. You're right. The passion, the passion that unites us all. Yeah. Well, Haley, it's been almost an hour and a half. You have things to do, but I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. This was fantastic. We hope, hope to have you again soon and regardless of what you think you're doing you're doing awesome work you're born for this kiddo you're gonna do do great things it's debatable am i gonna get shredded for my like rampage (laughs) no if anything it'll it'll give you more fans they're gonna be like yes preach it queen that's what i was thinking the whole time i'm like yas (laughs) yas Preach! Preach! <laughs> Do you post the video of this? Because like no, no one don't. needs to see that. <laughs> Preach! No, I I don't post yeah. the video. I might I might screenshot that just now. You but should, uh, baby, yeah. I will. I will. I think you went to do like a preach while I was saying that too. But then I'm like, no, I'm gonna be can be respectful, gonna let her do it. But like also preach, you know? Like it's Yeah. Well <laughs> sorry I'm so rambly in this podcast. Oh it's probably longer than you thought, but thanks for having me. It was fun. It's it, 
ran the ramblier the better hockey can be boring sometimes rambling is not boring it's a lot of fun rambles is fun <laughs> <laughs> all right thanks so much for coming on Haley. it was awesome 